Welcome to today's episode of Microphone Phone Air. I'm your host, Rob Walling, and today we're talking about joining a startup accelerator. Every other Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, we live stream for about 30 minutes, and we cover topics related to building and growing ambitious SaaS startups that bring us freedom and purpose and allow us to maintain healthy relationships. Welcome back, and thanks for joining me. I'm really excited that we have microcomps coming up in just a few weeks. I believe it's like less than a month until uh, microconf in Portland, Oregon. So microconf locals are going to be in Portland, Oregon, Boston, Massachusetts, and Austin, Texas. And then we have a microconf Europe growth edition in Croatia in the first week of October. So it's middle and towards the end of September are three events. And then um, first week of October is growth. So if you're interested in hanging out with a bunch of other ambitious bootstrapped and mostly bootstrapped SaaS founders, head to microconf.com and look at the in-person events link there. And we still, I believe, have a few tickets left to all events, although there's a couple, I think, that are approaching being sold out. So check that out. Today's topic in lieu of, or in honor of Tiny Seed's fourth batch of applications. This is our fall 2021 batch. In honor of that, we are talking, or I'm going to be chatting with Tony Chan, who is the co-founder of Cloud Forecast. You may have seen Tony on Microconf on Air, I don't know, what, six, eight months ago. He was on Startups for the Rest of Us about a month or two ago, talking about his experience co-founding Cloud Forecast. And today I'm having him back on because he and his co-founder are part, are part of our spring 2021 batch, so our, our third batch. And we're going to talk about joining a remote startup accelerator, his thought process around it, any surprises he's encountered, benefits, drawbacks, all the things that you would think of in terms of trying to weigh the pros and cons of applying and joining an accelerator. So Tony is the, as I said, CEO and co-founder of Cloud Forecast. Cloud Forecast helps engineering teams monitor and eliminate wasted AWS costs, Amazon Web Service costs, cloudforecast.io. Tony was a former director of display and customer success at Perfect Audience. He was an early hire at Perfect Audience on the business side. He was part of the leadership team that grew the business to eight-figure ARR to an acquisition in 2014. Tony's interests include Chinese American history, cooking and eating. I like that one. Cooking and eating, not just cooking. Volleyball and all things Chicago. Go socks. So I'd encourage you to put any questions you have into the MicroConf on air channel in Slack or in the, what, it's not the comments on YouTube, but there's a chat going on. If you have any questions for Tony, ask them. Otherwise, I'm going to get started. Tony, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh-oh. You're muted today, bro. There you are. Better? Yep. Hey, sorry about that. Yeah, thanks for having me. I got my tiny seed swag on and I got my shirt on just for this live. So I'm excited to chat with people and like can answer questions. Easy questions though. Nothing. Awesome. Yeah. No, we're going to get into the hard ones. First, we'll lobby a couple softballs and we'll dig in. Yeah, repping tiny seed. So that is one perk that you get for joining tiny seed is you get some swag that we send this time because I think we varied it each batch. We got stickers. We got a hat, shirt. I'm, I was talking to you about a hoodie afterwards where we can hood each other during our, our next meetup. We also get invited to chat. So yeah, there's a lot of great perks and a lot of great startups perks. So yeah, we get a lot of good stuff. There's more, more swag to come too. I see. I love swag. As long as I can somehow justify it in some way, shape or form, man, I love seeing our logo and tagline mm-hmm. on yeah. Dapper printed thing. And the design is so clean. Sometimes you get these startup shirts and they're just kind of, yeah. whereas these are very clean, something I would wear every day going out and such. So yeah, these are great, great, 
great shirts. Very cool, sir. So talk to us. There's a bunch of folks in the audience who have either applied or are considering applying to, uh, to Tiny Seed. So talk to me behind, talk to me about your thought process, your and Francois, who's your co-founder, your thought process in applying to Tiny Seed, not just once, not just twice, but three times. It took me a fourth time just for that. That's what you had said. Yeah, you're going to apply this badge. Can we get another round of money? But no, but you, I mean, you guys, not only did you apply, but you were committed and I don't, I'm not, I, we haven't talked about this, but I, did you apply to any other accelerators three times or was Tiny Seed? I think the other one that we applied to multiple times was Y Combinator. Mm-hmm. And we did that twice. We went through the interview process, didn't get through after that. But yeah, Tiny Seed, we were very committed to that. And it was just a good fit in terms of the vision and type of company we want to build, which is a bootstrap startup and something that we can have a good balance uh, in terms of our life and other interests we have, but also being very ambitious of like our growth and where we want to be as a business. So it was mostly, hey, these people have a good vision of where they want their companies to be, the line to where we want to be, and also the companies that you all get to work with and the advisors just, and the mentors that you all have just seem like a perfect fit for us. So that's why we were very committed to try to get in whatever way possible, even applying fourth, fifth, sixth time, we would have kept trying on our side. We have a question from the chat. What other accelerator programs did you apply for? Obviously, Y Combinator you mentioned. Yeah, we've done, and the, I think it used to be called Earnest Capital. I think it's called Call One now. But that was another one that we were looking into. But I think we applied. If I, I, We did launch, or we applied for launch. We interviewed. We actually turned out to get with Jason. We turned out, we actually got in and we turned that down very early on because it went back to uh, the vision and what kind of company we wanted to build. We did... I think we applied to over 10 different accelerators during the course of our lifetime before going to Tiny Seed, and we got rejected by majority of all of them. Kept coming back. Here's the important thing. Not only did you keep coming back and applying, you kept making progress on your business. I mean, I, the thing that I say when I speak to, I speak, when I used to, pre-COVID, when I used to talk to groups around Minneapolis of aspiring entrepreneurs, I would say revenue is the best slide deck. Like MRR, push your business forward. And you don't need to tell a story if your MRR tells your story for you. And that's really what you and Francois had done is you kept showing up every day, shipping, and month over month, quarter over quarter, you grew it into a business that made a lot of sense for us to back. When the very first time you applied, it, you were just a little early for us. And then the next time it was like, ooh, on the edge. And the third time it was like, yeah, you made it a no-brainer. You've heard that, be so good, they can't, they can't ignore you. And that's essentially what you grew the business into. Yeah, we just overall, we tried to be persistent as possible, not only growing the business um, as well, but also just following up with you all and getting advice and like, hey, what are the reasons why we didn't get in this time? And we tried to take those advice to heart, even it might be heartbreaking or it might be hard to hear, but there's value into it. And we just tried to be persistent as possible across the board, everything that we did, whether it's talking to our customers, growing the business, or even just getting the accelerator. I think being persistent is very key, uh, especially as a bootstrap startup. Yeah. And persistent in growing your business. You can certainly touch base with us and getting on my radar is not that hard. Send questions into startups for the rest of us. Post questions in MicroConf Connect. Post questions in MicroConf On Air. There's a lot of ways that I know folks or come to microcom. There are a lot of ways I know folks who are just out there doing their thing. And I recognize their name because we've, we've gone through that. Um, I'm curious from your perspective with Tiny Seed, what were the one or two biggest benefits that you expected from Tiny Seed that you said, this really is why we're applying. I think 
these one or two things is, is going to drive it. And I'm curious if that has held up or if your opinion has switched. And there's some sleeper thing that you didn't expect would be super valuable that has been valuable now that you're almost four months through the program now. Yeah, I would say the one expected thing is the mentorship and advice that we've gotten in terms of building our startup. There are a few things that we went through, even in the last three months, whether it was hiring and how to hire, being thoughtful about our hiring process of our first full-time engineer, where we had a lot of questions about. And primarily the subject was how did we be an inclusive startup and hired people that might be in the underserved background or they might be looked over. And that's a very specific question about hiring to ask. And we popped that into the tiny C chat in Slack. And Tracy was like, actually, I know someone who ran into the same exact problem and situation. And she connected us with a few folks that where we just had a really good conversation about that subject. And I think the ability to just reach out to people who has gone through something similar and just be able to ask question and get good advice and sound advice of that same exact situation. It was expected, but it was also very surprising too. It was like, wow, that's something very specific and something that someone specifically has solved, what would say solved, but have been through and gotten good advice on. Yeah. So that was really cool to see and go through and be part of as well. Yeah. That's a big one. And I think is perhaps underrated maybe i think people see the if you go to tinyc.com slash people you can see our mentors and it mm -hmm. it is a laundry list of world-class SaaS founders and subject matter experts it's amazing but beyond that and getting advice from them and here you know, getting them to look at your stuff and, and giving feedback and stuff there is that community inside tinyc just the day-to-day -day where hey i need a response. I'm trying to figure out Stripe coupons or I, I considering an AppSumo deal, would someone jump on a call with me? Or does anyone know anyone who's done X, Y, Z? It's very rare if that the answer is no, we don't know anyone. Like it has to be a really specific thing because otherwise it's, yeah, we know a lot of people either in the batch, in the tiny seed batches themselves, because we funded 41 companies now, yeah. somewhere in that range. Yeah. And it's like the community, I think is uh, a, a big thing. Yeah. I, I would say that's, I would say how friendly and great everyone is. It was expected, but also unexpected how proactive people are with checking in with each other within our batch. And I had a lot of good conversations with him in the beginning. We first got into Tiny Seed. And one of the first things he mentioned is Atonium. I would say, he said, I'm worried about you. Not worried like in a bad way, like I'm doing bad, but I just want to make sure you're in a good headspace and that you are also mentally healthy as well. And, you know, once every other week, he just, sends me a DM like, hey, how are things going? Doing all right. What's going on? And that was, that's really cool. As you're doing this as a, whether solo founder or two-person founder, you get lonely. And it's always good to have people that you can just chat with and just ask for advice or just, just talk about nonsense as well. Yep. We have a couple good questions from the chat. Uh, Vikas asked, what are the top three reasons for joining an accelerator program? And... I'd love to hear your opinion as a founder. I, of course, have my own opinions. Yeah, I think there was, you know, for us personally, the money is nice. Like at the time we applied, what we were making in profits was sustaining the business. But also that's why they call an accelerator, help accelerate and make bigger bets in different areas of your business where you might have good data points on. So for us specifically on the money side, right? Like instead of just doing a little test here and there on the marketing side, 
we can make bigger bets on where we feel that is the source of growth and channel that we can put a lot of money into and test things out as well. So accelerate in that way. Also accelerate in headcount. Like we were able, we probably, we didn't take funding. We, pro- we were probably about maybe six or nine months out from hiring our first full-time engineer because we were very cash conscious. Okay, this is how we need to spend our money. Uh, we got to make sure we're still cash positive and we still have the lights turn on. Having that money gives us a chance to plan for things in the future. Okay, this is how our growth trajectory is. We can make that bet now. And then as we grow, everything will cover itself and pay for it. So we're able to hire our first full-time engineer. Another part, as mentioned, the mentorship advice is great as well. I think that's really important. And just having access to people like Rob, the mentors, Einar, Tracy, and just community is also really important too. I think also there's a level of confidence that you get as well. Hey, you made it to Accelerator, right? You are a legit business. You can look forward to posting that on any social media channel. There's a lot of social proof like, hey, we are here to stay and we're here to grow and here to be ambitious. So I would say those are the three main benefits that we received so far as, as a tidy seed company. Very good. Yeah. And, and what we find is that at the moment we list our companies on our homepage, we, they tend to start getting inbound interest from potential acquirers, potential f- at, at more funding. Things just start to, to come about from that. The three things from my perspective, I'll run through them quickly, um, that I think I've seen as a generality across, not in your individual case, but as a generality. The number one is the advice and the mentorship and the network. Mm-hmm. And it's like you said, it's having someone who's been there before give you very specific advice when they really have their head around your business. And the network part of that is, even if I don't know the answer, I know someone who does, right? Very likely. So that part to be able to just use that extended network is big. The second thing is the community is being in the Slack with it's all of most of our LPs are in there and they're often accomplished founders themselves. They weigh the other folks in the batches themselves. And even there, we have multiple companies now since we've been going for two and a half, three years, multiple companies doing seven figure ARR. They're just a little bit ahead of you, just far enough that they still remember what it was like to be in your shoes. So yeah. they weigh in, I weigh in. It's great, multiple perspectives. And then the, the third thing, and I rank this third for most companies, is the funding. The capital is great, but I think that it is the it is an overrated part of accelerators, unless you're really early. Now, you find someone who's doing 2K MRR, 5K MRR. Okay, the money really does make a difference. By the time you get 15, 20, 30K MRR, which many of the companies we funded are, are in that range, it just is less impactful on the business. And, and the advice, mentorship network, and community are, are so much more. They, the funding is a one-time injection, and that lasts the whole year, in essence. So, Yeah, absolutely. Like We were definitely not motivated by the funding. I would say the other two were probably the most important to us. It was more like a nice-to-have, like, cool, we can hire someone that can help us move on the product a little bit faster. Yep. All right. We have another, we have a question from Spencer. Thanks in Microsoft Connect. And I, I, we already answered it, but he said, did you do, did you apply primarily for the mentorship, the funding or something else entirely? I feel like we uh, just covered that. YT or YouTube question says, does your company need to be earning X amount of MRR to apply for tiny seed? I, yes. If you have zero, if you're pre-revenue, I, I would encourage you to not apply. We are now having applications every six months get to revenue, $500 a month, $1,000 a month. That's the bottom end range of companies we're funding these days. Arian asks, could you specify some metrics like MRR, ARR that helped you qualify for Tiny Seed? I, well, I don't know that you would particularly know that, Tony, where, you know, how you were growing at the time, but um, I think that it has depended on the batch and 
it depends on how many applicants we get and how far along they are. And that's where I, having a hard and fast rule is tough for me. It's, I would hate to say we'll never fund someone below a thousand or 2000 because we have, but as a rule of thumb, MRR is one of many metrics that we look at to figure out, are these founders going to ship? How big is the space? What's how, how much product market fit do they have? What's their MRR? It's a big equation. Uh, mental equation, I think. I don't think there's a hard and fast uh, number yeah. I would assign to. And if, if, and if you don't qualify in terms of based on what you said, I think it's important to maybe just throw the application in a Word document and go through the exercise yourself on your startup. Because I feel like the Y Combinator application and the Tiny CI application has a lot of really good questions to hook into what you're trying to build and ask the questions needed to see. It's just a good exercise for yourself to say, okay, how big is the market? What's the problem you're trying to solve and all that kind of stuff? Like it's really important to know how to talk about your company. And I think it's a good baseline, even if you're not going to apply this route. Yeah, I agree. And as, as I said, every six months now, so it, it's frequent enough that you can get a bit of traction and, and circle back with us. Vikas asked, do we have to have a U.S. registered business for this program or does it matter? So this fund... For, for the current batch is the Americas, North America, South America. So we funded a company in Latin America. If you were had a Canadian entity, I believe someone has a U.S. Virgin Islands company that were going to be fun there coming in mid-batch. But so for this one, that's what you would need to have. You do not need to be located in the United States. We have many founders who live outside the U.S. and outside the Americas. Frankly, we have founders in Australia, in Western Europe. And how is that usually set up, Ron? Are they set up like as a Delaware C Corp as on their side or LLC? Either one. They can choose. Folks, you, if they don't have an entity, they usually, we have free Stripe Atlas. And so they just could do that. And that normally costs 500 bucks, but they're able to do it through Tiny Seed. Mm -hmm. And um they choose LLC or C-Corp. If they think they want to run it and pull profits off, it's going to be an LLC. If you think you may want to exit, it makes more sense to have a C-Corp because you can get, there's a QSBS, Qualified Small Business yep. Stock, where you can sell it and pay no federal um, income tax, or I'm sorry, ca no federal capital gains, assuming you qualify. There's some asterisks there, so do more research. But folks who think they want to, yeah, anyway, so they get to choose. We can't, we aren't legally allowed to fund S-Corps. Um, mm -hmm. They're rare anyways, but yeah, LLCs and C-Corps. And we will fund in all 50 states, although we have definitely found that just Delawares are easier. If you go through Stripe Atlas, we know the paperwork now and the due diligence is super simple. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think most attorneys and lawyers that will help you through the due diligence process would prefer that as well. It just makes it a lot easier. And we are now, we're just in the early days of raising a European fund where we uh, want to expand and be able to support entities in, I believe we'll probably pick one entity, one jurisdiction, one entity. Uh, and so folks can, can potentially. Yeah. Any, any countries in particular that looks interesting based on the batch that you've seen with kind of the entities or jurisdictions that you're seeing? In Europe? Yeah. We see a lot of startups coming, like bootstrap startups coming out of the UK. And let me think, I think those would be the, probably the top two by a mile. And it's frankly, it's interesting because that's also the attendees of MicroConf Europe tend to be the most come from UK, second oh, from Germany, cool. third from US. So it like it it lines up. And then, but then on the in the APAC side, because longer term, we're gonna raise an Asia Pacific fund and back companies in the Asia Pacific. That's New Zealand, Australia. And then we see some folks in in in, a, in Asian countries also doing that. But that's a little further down the line. Okay, Spencer asked, Tony, has being in Tiny Seed improved your cre company's credibility when selling to larger customers? I think our, what we do in our space has not 
we, we sell to engineers and we sell to people who are very technical. So what's more important in terms of the selling process is our technical knowledge and know-how and just having a product that works and brings a value and solve the problem. That's more important to engineers than the credentials for the most part. So that's been, however, from talking to other people in our batch that has become important, especially if their product is selling into founders or bootstrap startups or within that space. I think that's been helpful. Like Savvy Cow, I think that was really helpful for that. Just be a tiny seed company, even though he, he has the audience from his podcast and such, but there are other companies that I know that has helped with just having that tiny seed batch in terms of selling into enterprise or even smaller customers is having that uh, social proof on their side. Yep. Yeah, that has happened. And then there are a few, there are several companies where it being part of tiny seed in particular may not have made a difference, but the fact that they can say, look, we are a funded company now, you know, yeah. even it, it gives some, even though it, you know, they're selling to construction firms or, mm -hmm. or security firms or whatever, and they haven't heard of tiny seed maybe, but they, but the mm -hmm. fact that they are funded, we have money in the bank, I, that, that lends a little. That question does come, well, it has come up, but at that time we weren't in tiny seed, but once again, it goes back to our audience. They, they, they actually like that we're, well, now mostly bootstrapped. They're like, wow, good for you. That's really cool to see. So it's every little bit helps, especially when those questions come up during the enterprise uh, sales process. So here's a question and I'm going to throw it out to you first and then I'll answer with the, the answer that All right. uh, I do. So someone's asking about evaluating startups for the accelerator. Before a startup is accepted in the program, what are the various traits you look at, uh, look at in the business or the founder? So my question for you is, Tony, if you were, you know, interviewing folks for an accelerator, because we've actually talked about having Tiny Seed alum, because so Y Combinator alum will, will come in yeah. and interview folks. And I think yeah. longer term, that's going to be a thing because Tracy and I can only, you know, handle so many people. So if you were to start interviewing in six months or a year or whatever, what would be a few traits that you would look about that you would look at, whether around the founder or the company itself? I like for me personally, I've always felt the founder in itself is very important, right? Their experience, their domain expertise, and just being a good person as well is really important. And seeing a sense of perseverance and persistence as well is really important. So I would ask questions around that and try to poke a little bit more and learn about, okay, what's your background, your experience? What, what have you done? What's your domain experience in that? Because for me, if founders consistent, shows up every day, as you mentioned, and is very persistent and just works very hard. They'll figure it out. It, it might be not the first idea, it might fail, but like they'll figure it out. So for me, I'm very founder focused in terms of the traits because that, at the end of the day, that's the person that's going to growing the business, running the business and figuring things out and showing up every day. So I, that's for me, number one part. I like it. And for us, I've mentioned this before, but we have a, a doc that I just pulled up. Let's see, it's about three pages. It's about it's somewhere in 30 bullets. And we, this is the tiny seed evaluation criteria and there are traits and then there's progress. And to your point, we have founder traits, which as you said, is like ambition, hustle, are they laid back, intelligent, bullshitter, non-bullshitter, coachable, uh, are they connected in a network? Do they have technical chops, marketing chops, SaaS chops? So there's like founder traits. Then there's yeah. market traits. What is the market like? Are they serving B2C, B2 aspirational, B2B? How much competition is there? How is the market willing to pay? And then we have progress. And that's broken down into three things. Like how much progress do they have in terms of traction, which is like MRR, 
it, people engaging with the product, how many pre-purchases they have, how, product progress. Does it delight? Is NPS score high? What percentage of user activated? And then there's marketing progress. So there's a bunch of things on here that don't, you know, fit in a bite-sized bullet or, or a bite-sized answer. But I will say that I've boiled it down mentally into three things and it's people, pricing, and product. That's it. And the people are, is exactly what you covered already. It's the founders that are involved and evaluating them on a bunch of different things based on successful founders that, that we know. And then the pricing is around price sensitivity. And if you're selling a $9 a month product and you can't raise that price because you're selling to consumers, it's probably not a fit for us. We are B2B SaaS focused. And the question I do ask some folks who have an average revenue per user of $15 a month, because there were some folks, actually we funded someone in the first batch who had a really low ARPU. And the question wasn't, it wasn't a dismissal, but it was like, okay, so your average revenue per user at this point, like you're going to plateau. You're never going to make it to seven or eight figures. So how are you thinking about raising that? And his answer was critical because he had already, he's, here's what we're going to do. We're raising prices here. We're adding features. We're going to feature gate. Then we're going to this. And then we have this other add-on that's, oh, you have a path here to make an eight-figure business, even though right now you're ARPU. But if the founder says, oh, I don't know, is that a problem? Then it's okay. There's some education that we need to have here. Maybe you're not ready for this batch, but maybe we can help educate mm -hmm. you for a future. Yeah, that's pretty consistent with our experience because like for us, I, Francois and I were very confident in terms of our founder experience and just our, just us as what we've done before and our domain expertise. However, we haven't hit two and three yet, pricing and product market fit. Number one kind of helped anchor us to figure out two and three. So that's pretty consistent with our experience of what we, you know, applied to time C three times. So I completely agree with your consistency in evaluating founders in those streets. And I would say that you've hit, that it's not that you have pricing nailed, it's that is their price, how sensitive mm -hmm. is the market? And is your price, do we think that your pricing is good or that it can be raised? We can fix it. Raising prices is something, you know, we talk a lot about in the first month and a lot of founders do that. So it's not to say your pricing has to be dialed in, but is your market mm -hmm. able to, to have a B2B type pricing structure? And then product market fit really is just shorthand for have you built something people want or willing to pay for? And you don't need to already have a bunch of marketing channels, but you have to have some proof that like people are willing to pay for this product. Exactly. So that's it. Those are our three. Let me check for any other questions because I believe we are at time. No, looks like that's it for today, sir. Thanks so much for joining me again. For folks listening to the audio, your Twitter handle is Tony123 and it's the body parts, T-O-E-K-N-E-E. -E. It's a, it's a good handle, except for what I have to say it out loud. Yeah. Totally. I, I made this in college, so yeah. I never really update it, but it has to with me and just keep it as is. Yep. So cloudforecast.io, if folks are using AWS and they're surprised by their monthly invoices, I got to be honest, I really wish you existed back when we were doing Drip because I was surprised all the time. And I made, I left a server on and lost like 1700 dollars one month, which was, we were doing like 15 grand a month mm. at the time. And that was like, that was a lot. That was what I, I paid our support person in a month. And I yeah. pissed it, it away over a weekend with an accident. It hurts. That hurts when you see the invoice, you're like, oh, especially if it's like an extra large instance. Oh yep. my gosh. That is the worst. We've seen that happen with some of our users where they launched an extra large instance, totally forgot about it, but we were able to catch that. Awesome. Thanks again for joining me, man. We'll see you next All time. All right. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. And thank you for joining me for MicroConf On Air. Thanks to producer Xander for producing the show today. I'd like to give a shout out and thanks to Hay and Stripe. They are headline partners for the year. Head to youtube.com slash microconf. Smash that like and subscribe button. That's where this happens. And tickets are on sale for MicroConf Locals and MicroConf Europe. 
It's great to see you. See you next time.